do a review of all your competitors first. If you solely focus on what things cost and how to save money, you're eventually going to cost yourself out of business. Of course. Because you're not staying up with the modern day times. Whatever you do, make sure you have an objective that you know what the end goal is mm -hmm. and then work backwards. For restaurants, they have to adapt into these yeah. changes. They have to adapt to these changes. They have to start picking up these technology stacks and they have to give their employees the tools that they need to be successful. So today we're going to be reviewing the whole notion of thin margins. Uh, we're honored to have Kendall Ware. He has led six different brands across uh, three different industries and most recently was the president of Cinnabon and Carvel, running 2000 locations globally. So Kendall, uh, we want to talk about thin margins and a lot of restaurants are complaining that they have thin margins. Personally, from everything that I'm looking at, we've done some numbers and everything, and it seems like the the underlying cause of the thin margins is not really that they have thin margins because you go into a restaurant, the drinks are marked up several hundred percent. You know, their least profitable item, their food is marked at least uh, three times. So everything that they're selling, they're selling it at great margins. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they're always saying, oh, well, we have thin margins. We can't afford to do this. We can't afford to do that. Why? Because we have thin margins. So they're always afraid to spend money because of that whole notion. So today we want to kind of go through the concept of why they have thin margins mm -hmm. and drill down into that. So you've okay. obviously ran a lot of restaurants. You, you're very well seasoned, experienced in the operation, the franchising, and not just smaller locations, you know, obviously from smaller ones all the way mm -hmm. up to 2000 locations globally. So give us your take initially on, on that. Sure. I think every business has small margins, right? <laughs> thin margins, because everyone's trying to figure out a way to make the most money possible, right? So regardless of the business type or regardless of what we're going after, the margins are going to be perceived as thin. But on, on average, people are trying to hit that, let's say, 20% mark, bottom line, right? That's like the the target for most restaurant companies is to at least get that 20%. How they get there is the question. Um, sometimes people are focusing solely on eliminating cost or trying to find ways to save versus driving the top line revenue, which typically resolves all the other issues that you may have. Yeah, I agree. So are margins thin? Sure. But find me a business where there's not thin margins. Sure. Uh, but I don't think that's the, the issue. Um, if you look at most restaurants and how they structured their menu, in most cases, every menu item is going to be a profitable item. So what's really not producing the margin they want? Is it uh, the products and menu items they have, or is it just a lack of top line that's preventing them from achieving that? I think that's actually a great point because the National Restaurant Association did a survey, and in that survey, they found that majority of the restaurants on average are doing $659,000 a year in sales. Yeah. And back to your point, obviously you've been across three different industries, so not just restaurants, but I believe it, the same applies to any, mm -hmm. any business. So if you start a business, and your top line revenue is six hundred and fifty nine thousand dollars a year. You're going to have thin margins. Right. But I've never spoken to a restaurant owner who's doing one, one and a half, two million dollars. Mm -hmm. And they're complaining, oh, we have thin margins. Right. So I think to your point, it's driving top line revenue to mm -hmm. get you to your profit margins. And in fact, we actually did some numbers. A restaurant that does six hundred and fifty thousand a year 
if you assume a 30% food cost and a mm-hmm. 30% labor cost, mm-hmm. $110,000 in rent, utilities, and then repairs expenses, you deduct all of that out, they're at 57,000 or 8.7% margins. Right. So that is, again, and that, that's a restaurant doing 650,000. But mm-hmm. if you take that restaurant, increase their sales to a million dollars a year, now you increase your food costs from 195, 195,000 to 300,000. You increase your labor to yeah. 300,000, but your rent, utilities, repairs, all that stays at 110, 50,000, 25,000, and 18,000 respectively. Mm-hmm. However, your profit margin, that's the highlight, went from 8.7% to 19.7%. And there's that desired 20%. There you go. Right. And now you're making $197,000. I think one thing is, you know, they're going in, they're investing half a million dollars mm-hmm. and they're making $57,000 a year. Right. It's like, well, you could have just gone to Olive Garden, gotten a job as a manager, not invest half a million dollars to make a $57,000 mm-hmm. a year salary, right? right? Quote right. unquote, self-employed. Right. So I think right. that's that's the whole topic is getting getting the sales and revenues to a desirable phase where you're actually making margins. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. where have you, obviously there are a lot of people are, are going after cost savings, et cetera, but kind of run us through the restaurants that you've run, you've operated, how were your margins broken down? And then where did you find that tipping point where you went from thin margins to great margins? Yeah, it, it always depends upon the brand, right? If we were talking like a specialty concept, like let's say in the frozen yogurt industry, $500,000 a year is actually fairly good. Right. You can mm-hmm. you can make money out of that in that model. Now, if you're a full service restaurant doing five hundred thousand dollars a year, you're probably struggling. You're right. And so it all depends upon the type of business that it is and what day parts and occasions it provides for guests to come and visit. Um, but, you know, when you look at the, the, the let's just say that 20 percent margin or even if it's 10, when you get to a point to actually know your business, you have to look at what is driving that revenue to begin with. What what are the items that are selling? What's not selling? How much are you wasting each and every single week? Like you have to optimize your own menu to even hit this, these profitable numbers, right? So over time, you know, you may start generating, let's say, 10% or it, maybe it is only 8%. But where can you optimize? Not necessarily cut costs, but where can you optimize on the menu side of this? Where brands really succeed are the ones who study their menu, understand what is selling, what's not, and what are they keeping in the back of house at all times that typically is being wasted because of expiration, because they don't have enough to move. So I look at there's cost cutting and elimination, but there's also optimizing. Cost cutting is just trying to save every penny and work every deal and and do what you can. But on the optimization side, how can you optimize recipes? How can you optimize the products, the menu, but really study that. I think that can make a huge impact. Gotcha. Okay, that's a great point because you know, me personally, obviously, I'm a I'm a business owner myself. I'm always looking at ways to increase revenue than mm-hmm. save costs because there's a limit to how much money I can save. Yep. But there's unlimited growth that I can always increase sales from one channel, another channel. And even in a restaurant, you know, you could add <laughs> online ordering, you could add third party mm-hmm. delivery, you could you could implement a CDP platform, do effective, individualized, personalized marketing to increase sales and revenue that way. There's so many different ways, but I think restaurants right now are at this tipping point of really embracing technology. And I don't think they've done that well enough Mm -hmm. now. Obviously the pandemic pushed a lot of restaurants to start realizing, all right, what do we need to do? And has fast paced that. But what's your take on 
on effectively so we've already obviously covered the thin margins so the yeah. the thin margins were in agreement that it's not because they're they're it's not the restaurant are, industry yeah, exactly it's, it's, it's everywhere not, yeah. exactly yeah and so the problem is lack of sales right. so how do we increase sales right so in a restaurant what were the metrics that you guys used mm -hmm. to increase sales yeah so there's there's several factors right and, and you can take this to the old school approach of just being active in the communities, building up that brand name and your name in conjunction with that. But when you look at technology today, that's where the biggest gap is, right? You could buy a business today with no technology and whatever they're doing in revenue, you could probably double it after acquiring and adding technology, right? That's happened Correct, over yeah. and over and over again. Plus having a good operator, hands-on, it changes the game. But if you, get, if you go past some of the, I would say, uh, the normal assumptions of how to grow a restaurant, just look at the technology access you have today. Where, where, where restaurants are making mistakes is they are focusing on what they've always done, not how the world is operating today. Uh -huh. And everything that we used to do before the pandemic may have made sense to our brand or to us, but after the pandemic, everything has changed from consumer behaviors to how things are priced and just what the overall expectation is of a restaurant. Um, I mean, I, I look back in my past where I led a brand that was, you know, it called a uh, globally recognized brand. And they didn't have loyalty app. They didn't have um, any technology that was driving additional revenue or trying to reach out to their consumers, to their guests, uh, because they've always done so well. But after the pandemic hit, you had no other option. You had to adapt. You had to be a part of third-party delivery. You had to create your own first-party delivery. You had to have a loyalty app. You had to, you had to have more access points. Um, and that started to change that brand for the better. And again, the brand's been around for 35 years, but it still made a huge impact. Um, but I've, I've noticed so many restaurants that they they struggle with paying for the technology because they look at the, the expense that it comes with, Absolutely, not yeah. what this technology can bring to my business. And the other thing I would say to any restaurant operator out there, especially those who are at that point where they're trying to figure out how to raise sales, but they're also trying to watch their expenses. All of the consumers, all of the guests, all the people that you serve are getting exposed on a daily basis to other concepts that have this high-end technology. And they are being trained as that's an expectation. That's right. So if they come to your location and you don't have, let's say, uh, a text-to-join program or you don't have an automated wait list or anything that is becoming common, um, you're going to stand out in a negative way. Yeah, so. I agree. So I think a lot of these restaurants are looking at it and they're saying, oh, technology is expensive. But I think what they're failing to realize that it's a return on investment. Mm -hmm. And I think, and that model has been proven across many industries. Look yeah. at Uber, look at uh, Amazon, look at Facebook, uh, just literally any tech company, yeah. they are using technology to automate, they're using technology to decrease costs, they're using mm -hmm. more importantly technology to increase revenue. Right. And without that technology backbone in their businesses, they would never be able to compete and they would never yeah. become these multi-billion dollar companies right. that they are today. Yeah. So, and I've seen this trend and and I've actually led two brands that this was a part of, of their their culture at the time, but two brands that didn't believe in POS systems. Oh, wow. Standard one-on-one <laughs> -on -one entry level, how to operate. My first job, I didn't even know there was something before a POS system. That's yeah. all, I've, you know. But there's brands out there that still operate today that are big franchises that have old school <clears throat> cash registers. Yeah. And their response is, well, I don't want people to see my, my information. I don't want the IRS to have more access. I don't want this. I don't want that. 
standard things that don't matter in today's world. Of right? course, yeah. Well, they're gonna, everybody's going to have access to that data right. anyway by right. your purchase history. Yep. But but why I bring that up is both both these brands I'm thinking of. Actually, there's a third brand if I really think about it. But uh, got all of them converted to POS systems. They're all riding on tech now. But the biggest pushback I would always get from operators is they were so concerned about why they weren't making as much money as they used to back in the 90s, back in the early 2000s, et cetera. Right. These are long-term franchisees have had this business for a while. Some were in a brand for 20 years, 30 years, et cetera. They're complaining about making the same amount of money, and it's because the world around them has evolved. That's right. And they haven't. Right? They used to make money having a cash register in front yeah. of them, and that was it because people would line about the door. But now it's so competitive, and there's so much technology that people are adapting to it, and they want to go where they can feel like, oh, this is new, this is modern, this is something I can you know, sure. be engaged with. And so these same franchisees who are scared of investing in tech are the ones saying we don't make as much money as we used to. That's so right. how do we increase that? We have to go after the tech. You have to invest to get a return to grow that business. And it just scares people for some reason. Yeah. Well, I mean, in 2000s, you didn't have a cell phone with you in your pocket that you just went to Google right. Maps or Apple Maps and said <laughs> best Mexican restaurant right. around me. Right. right? Yeah. So you relied aggressively on the local. So you were doing uh, yellow pages or mm -hmm. things that all these young kids right. don't even know what it is. They right. probably right. never seen a, a yellow pages, yeah. right? Yeah. So now, now you're right that the whole industry around them, the whole environment has changed and they mm -hmm. fell to adapt. Right. And now they're slowly going out. Right. You know, I mean, think of Netflix versus Blockbuster. Right. They, they right. fell to adopt. Mm -hmm. And because of that failure of adoption, they went out of business. Right. So those franchisees will eventually go out of business because Again, everybody else is stealing those customers. Sure. And I think I agree 100% that if they if they continue to be oblivious to the mm -hmm. fact that this is going to be a game changer, we haven't even gotten started in technology yet. Right. So right. you've got other industries like right now with automations and workflow automations, mm -hmm. machine learning, artificial intelligence, right. chat GPT is just killing sure. it right sure. now. So if you haven't even adopted the basics, if you don't know who your customers are and if you're not doing anything in technology, yeah. then you're already out of business because this chat GPT has proven that those who embrace those technologies are going to stand out. Right. So now right. you're not getting the customers. Yes, because the next door and the guy mm -hmm. is stealing all those customers because they're communicating more effectively with that mm -hmm. customer. So now, yeah. you know, your baby boomers. Yeah, they're still coming in. But now the majority of your of your customer visitors are these younger generations sure. that have grown up with technology. Right. So and, they're and the ones who are paying you to stay in business. They're the right. ones who are spending money with you. Right. And you need obviously great people on your team to be able to deliver what these technologies can provide. Of course. And, and that's another example where so many people are talking about how it's hard to find good people or it's hard to keep people. But a lot of them don't have basic one-on-one -on -one technologies like a e-learning platform, sure. LMS, something that makes the experience a little bit more seamless. And so all these things that technology drives benefit your business. And if, and if I was a business owner who had an old school restaurant today, I would be thinking about what my valuation is going to be the day I'm ready to cash out, the day oh, I'm absolutely. ready to sell. Yeah. And if they don't add technology, it's going to be very difficult to sell that business for a desired, thank you, for a desired multiple, right? Um, and that's the other thing is if I was going to buy that business and I realize, oh, wow, if I buy it, I have to invest so many more thousands of dollars to get it open just to have basic technology, that's going to be a red flag to me. Otherwise, I could be the owner and add, thank you, and I could add all these services and then sell it for higher multiple. 
Um, yeah, and I think and actually to that point, I think a business, if you were trying to exit, a business that doesn't know their customers, a business you. that doesn't have any tech stack in there, it's just not going to be valued as much. Right. Because, well, think of it. Why did why is Netflix or why is Uber or why are these companies worth billions and billions when the hotel industry is not or the taxi companies are not? Well, it's because they have all the customer data. So right. I think the valuation will obviously go up because of the tech stack. But it's it's interesting that, again, they're still kind of lagging behind that that idea and they're still trying to figure out why they're not making the sales. You right. know, why are they suffering? Because again, they failed to make those investments. Yep. So yep. I think uh, that, that'd be a good way. And go back to that employee thing. I really think that you're trying to hire staff. You're not giving them the tools to be successful. Mm -hmm. And you're complaining that, oh, well, I can't find people. Right. Well, they come in, they work for a couple of months and it's like, wow, this is a mess. Like, right. I don't know how to do my job. I don't have an e-learning platform mm -hmm. to learn how my job should be done. Right. That's a whole new can of worms because, sure. you know, you open a restaurant, you hire 50 people. Six months later, it's down to 25. Right. A year later, it's down to 10. Right. And then the, the training that got conveyed from the first employees to the second to the third mm -hmm. now by the time it's on a fourth generation of employee mm -hmm. in there because of turnover now it's not even water it's right you know right. lemon juice yeah. right it yeah. just it just completely changes it's, so yeah it's it's tough man because for for a lot of people right now they think that these technologies are new these technologies are not new whatsoever right these technologies have been around for a very long time i mean my first job i was 16 years old busing tables and I had an automated scheduling platform. Oh, wow. Like that, <laughs> that is how I came into the industry. So when That's I hear about years ago, and right, yeah. I hear about paper schedules and paper, yeah. it's just like it, enough's enough. If that's how it was way back then, how are we not there yet as an industry? That's right. And so I, I think there's a plenty of opportunity there, but a lot of it is the education piece, which is why things like this are attractive to me because we get to educate and share more thoughts out there. And I hope a lot of restaurant operators consume this. Um, but it also depends upon if you are a part of a franchise or if you're an independent. If you're independent, sure, it's going to be tough to get the best buying power. It's going to be tough to get that, you know, I guess valuable market basket. But what's approach. the alternative? You don't do it, and you, you got to drive business. the revenue. Exactly, you got to figure out how to drive revenue. What can you invest in sure. that can accomplish that? I mean, just look at things like third-party delivery. Even if they are taking a little bit more of your margin, you're most likely driving more revenue, or you're reaching a, a consumer that you did not have access to because it is also a walking billboard. You're scrolling and seeing brand names in your area that maybe you've never even seen before. Sure. Um, but now it's giving you that opportunity to have that transaction, right? To gain another guest, gain another follower. And, and a lot of people say, well, I'm not on there because it costs too much. But this whole mentality of what things cost, it can, it can go negative. I mean, if you think about it, if you solely focus on what things cost and how to save money, you're eventually going to cost yourself out of business. Of course. Because you're not staying up with the modern day times. Yeah, actually, so we were talking before this that, you know, if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, if I give you a check for 12 grand or if you have to write me a check for 12 grand, this, you're going to buy this application. It's going to cost you 12,000 bucks, mm -hmm. but it's going to bring in 100,000 worth of revenue. Right. I think majority of the restaurants, majority of the business owners will turn around and say, can you do it for 10? <laughs> right. Me personally, I would say, what if I write you a check for 24,000? Right. What does that get me? Yeah. Can I get 200 grand in increase of revenue? Right. And I think that's where they're falling short is they're focused so, so much on saving money that they get blindsided to the whole other side of mm -hmm. uh, 
sales revenue and then and then they're they're now they're complaining thin margins right right so i think so it sounds like we're on the same page on that too training employees you know if you're in a restaurant then mm -hmm. a server walks up instead of saying things you could do now so you could go to your employees like we're right. here in a restaurant doing a podcast these right. guys have amazing fresh squeezed orange juice mm -hmm. so instead of coming up and saying what would you like to drink or worse yet what do you want to drink right. <laughs> you know right then saying would you like to have a cup of fresh squeezed orange juice or a coffee Right. So that immediately upsells and increases that average check. Absolutely. And I think the restaurants need to really focus on how do I increase my PPA, my per mm -hmm. person average or my average check size? Right. And how do I get that customer to come in one extra visit? Right. And by the way, we did a whole bunch of numbers for a brand that we were doing a presentation. If you if you took a customer, if you took 15% of their customers mm -hmm. and you bumped them up to the next level of frequency. So if you come in once a year mm -hmm. if i have you come in twice a year because of my technology because of whatever tools i'm using to get you back in right. that will automatically lead to a $64,000 right increase in that year right if that person comes in instead of twice come in three times you had 165,000 mm -hmm. a year in additional revenue for right. that location right. and if you make it into a third visit you had like 274,000 a year in revenue increase. Sure. So there's a huge difference between the frequency of visit and, and, and then the, it's very much proportional to getting that revenue increase. Right. So, right. and then obviously more efficient, I think more efficient use of marketing funds. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, there's a lot of restaurants, even today, now in 2023, that are sending kids it free. Yeah. Yeah. And they're sending it to all their customers, regardless whether they have kids or not. Right. You know, 12 years ago, I was working, actually, you and I met That's at right. that yeah, brand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I still get that email. Yeah. It makes yeah. sense to me now, but it didn't back then. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have kids now. <laughs> back then, you didn't right, have the first kids. 10 years, I did not. Yeah. Yeah. But they still sent you. Right. They sent you kids right. in free offer for what, past 13, 14 yeah, years. Exactly. And not yeah. only in the last three years, it, right, it right. made sense. Right. So, uh, Actually, they kept sending me kids it free, and I always used to tell their CMO, "It's like you know, I don't have kids, but you're still sending me that right. kids it free offer." It so was never personalized. It was never before. personalized, yeah. and it's doing two things. It's I unsubscribe because it's like, oh, I don't have kids. I don't. These are not mm -hmm. relevant, right? And then two, you're wasting your marketing resources. Yeah. So now again, going back to that thin margin, you're spending money when you shouldn't be spending it, and now that's burning your marketing fund, right. which then doesn't allow you to maximize your return on investment profits. Right. And right. I think the last thing that is, it seems like I was at FS Tech in 2021, 2022, mm. and a lot of, um, a lot of conversations around customer data platforms and knowing your customers. Yeah. Um, it's astonishing that in the restaurant space, you could go to small brand, you know, at FS Tech, there was a, a CMO of a large brand mm -hmm. with, 400 locations yeah they were saying the same thing hey today in 2022 2022 we're still sending kids it free offers to all of our customers so right. for me that resonates because it's like why would you do that why would you burn that cash why would you right. uh, not personalize it and not do that because they don't have that information right? right right so i think this customer data platform notion is gonna be a big game changer yeah market and to me based upon the things that i purchase what do I like to consume? Absolutely. Why do I come to visit you? That's what I want to get deals for, right? Otherwise, I'm not going to care if you're offering me something that I have no interest in. Right, like right. sending right. steak special to a vegetarian. Right. Kids that free offer to those right. who don't have kids or alcohol specials to those right. who don't drink. Right. Right. I think that's a huge revenue generator there. I want to touch base on one other thing. 
So we talked about going from revenues of 650,000 making 8.7% margin okay. to a million dollars making 19% margins. Okay. <clears throat> and I think one other thing that we haven't touched base on, we actually did this comparison for that brand. So if you go from a million mm -hmm. and you increase your sales by 15%, 150,000 a year, mm -hmm. that difference is gonna go from making 19% to 26% in margins. Right. It's gonna take you from making 200 grand a year to $302,000 a year. Right, it's game changer. It's an absolute game changer. And it comes down to investing in the right technologies that can drive traffic and investing in the right people who can execute it. And you go back to that, that the whole talk about team members, little things can make a huge difference, right? And on the upselling point, even if you don't have that many upsell opportunities, let's just say you're very flat menu. Sure. If the team members are still trained to educate guests on what all you have to offer and whatever they got this time recommend something different for the next time sure you keep planting seeds right you keep educating that guest and they they will find more reasons to visit you more often Absolutely. that's what it comes down to um but you know i've always said this but you can't just hire somebody in in the restaurant business who just wants to ring somebody up on a cash register you just can't do it it has sure. to be somebody who is who's, who loves hospitality loves being in front of people knows how to make eye contact shake hands kiss the babies all the things that drive people back into that restaurant yeah uh, so it has to be somebody who is a salesperson who's naturally sure. good and understands that i want to sell more out of this business to help this business obviously sustain longer and to provide sure. more jobs so I think sometimes you, you get desperate, so you just hire somebody and they ring people up, but that's not what you need. Ringing people up is automated these days. You don't, yeah. need, you don't need to do that. You need someone who can actually educate and sell and, and show them more reasons to visit. Absolutely. And I think that if you can increase the frequency of visit by yep. doing exactly that, yep. planting a seed so they don't always come in for that same dish, because you, know, you can't keep going in and you can't continuously sell uh, come into a restaurant and always order the same thing and eat the same thing and you're right. not going to do that five days a week right you know it's not like uh, airline where you could travel from coast to coast and go american mm -hmm. all the way right. right right you're not gonna add if you have three stops you're not gonna eat mcdonald's for all three stops right, right? right. so right. but if you have a way to uh, give them a reason to try different dishes make recommendations do yeah. those personalization i think i agree and and we already talked about it you know going from one visit to two visit to three visits mm -hmm. a year additionally a year not we're not talking a month right so again if you can bring in a customer that visits you uh, you know once a year to four times a year you're already up over a quarter million dollars 275 grand that, that year from right that 15% of that customer. Right, so right. there's a huge impact that sure, is there. Sure. And yeah, I think for restaurants, they have to adapt into these yeah. changes. They have to adapt to these changes. They have to start picking up these mm -hmm. technology stacks and they have to give their employees the tools that they need to be successful. Right. So right. if I walk in and you've got an hour wait and I give you my phone number, you see that I'm a loyalty member and I spent 15 grand with a mm -hmm. brand in the course of last year or two right then i shouldn't have to wait an hour like everybody else right right, right. so that treatment needs to be special and by the way if you see that i have a peanut allergy then you could make a note of it and say hi mr Ware, i noticed you have a peanut allergy don't worry i'm gonna mm -hmm. let the server and the chef know and they'll they'll be aware of it right so right right elevating those experiences creating those memorable experiences right. is going to make a huge impact. That's what it comes down to. So yes, everybody has thin margins, but to offset that in today's world, you have to invest in technology. That's the first solution. And you got to focus on driving that top line revenue.
training really employees, getting uh, giving them the mm -hmm. right tools to be able to do that. Right. And actually, one other study I was looking at, they said if a customer is happy, they'll refer you 33% of the time. Right. Right. If they're very happy, they'll refer you 60%. Mm -hmm. But if you surprise the guest, that customer, mm -hmm. they'll refer you 90% of the time. Right. So I think that that will play out to, again, surprising them and say, oh, yeah, we know you have a peanut allergy, right? right. Or uh, elevating that experience is going to make a huge impact. Then mm -hmm. they'll, they're will they more likely to leave you a five-star review. Right. You know, and, and that's another topic because if your reviews are less than four, if it's 3.9, everybody mm -hmm. else is over four. Right. So and guess what? You're person, not going to yeah. attract that new customer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yep, agreed. All right. So a lot of great topics. Um, we'll uh, drill down into the customer data platform on our okay. next uh, episode. So stay tuned for that. Uh, there's a lot of information that we discussed. Hopefully you guys found that information helpful. Any closing notes from you, Mr. Kendall? <laughs> I mean, I think we it was a great Give them discussion. one thing yeah. that they could do. One thing that a restaurant can do to immediately make an impact and start getting on that right trajectory. I would say do a review of all your competitors first. In your space, who does what you do? One, identify what makes you stand out from that group, but then find out what's making them stand out from you. Own what, you, what, own what you're already really good at, but then go invest in those technologies that most likely these other competitors have. And if they don't, even more reason for you to go invest in that technology. Whatever can drive traffic and visibility to your brand, even if you don't initially see the return, right? A lot of times people invest in technologies that basically provide more visibility to your brand, and they don't see the, the direct, the direct um, correlation to the sales right away because it takes time. But as long as you're getting your brand in front of more eyeballs, uh, it's going to lead to more reasons for a guest to visit your location. Uh, and over time, you'll start to see that compounding effect. But I would just figure out what is it that you need to drive more traffic to your business and go invest in that technology. And I think I'll, I'll add a little bit of an addition to that. Don't invest and don't consider the technology to be an expense. If that technology doesn't have a return on investment built into it, then don't invest in it. You right. don't want those tools to be, you don't want them to just be there and give you that information. Right. You know, right. I say, a lot of people say knowledge is power. I say, no, knowledge is absolutely useless because if you don't know what to do with it, then it's pointless. Right. In your space, in the restaurant space, you have to have transactional data of the customers, mm -hmm. but more importantly, you ha it has to be actionable. So right. whatever you do, make sure you have an objective that you know what the end goal is mm -hmm. and then work backwards. Right, right. Actionable transactional data and an actionable CDP, something that you can actually utilize mm -hmm. to build on that return on investment idea and be able to actually, again, get, get, something, get something back. And it's not about the cost. You know, somebody right. may charge you less give you a point of sale system, somebody else may give you a point of sale system that does, that increases your revenue, mm -hmm. but they're 50% more expensive. Right. You should still consider that difference and that 50% more should justify you paying for that yeah. as long as it's bringing more revenue. You don't want to invest in s just simply collecting data. That's not Absolutely, the point, yeah. right? You got to yeah. do something with that information. Data by itself yeah. is useless. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys awesome. for tuning in thanks today and thanks it. for being here again. Here at Milagro, we've solved all of these complex problems of the loyalty and the integration and everything that we've discussed in this podcast. So if you're interested to learn more, contact us and schedule a demo.